Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants and pets that are important to you. As I mentioned on last week's episode, November is National Novel Writing Month, and I am happy to report I'm just about halfway through writing a brand new manuscript that I hope will be my 12th novel. This story is a tale of mistaken identity, wherein a young man with no apparent charm or charisma, but who is otherwise a good person, comes to learn that there's a man living in his city who looks exactly like him and has loads of charm and charisma, but this doppelganger is a total scoundrel. As you can probably guess, this is a story with a lot of humor, and it's a blast to write. I'm very happy with how it's coming along. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on this program, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some excellent fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of 11 self-published novels that are all currently available for purchase worldwide via Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. And if you don't use Amazon, you can purchase all of my titles in ebook format via Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. the enemy listeners this is episode 306 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for checking it out thank you for spending time with me who is this who is coming along now i hear i hear footsteps do you hear them Ooh, here we go oh yeah do you feel cool when you listen to this music i feel cool you know what i mean Sing it, baby. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you'll go far. Mm-hmm. I see you walking down the street. That's a little creepy. Oh, no. I clip, clap, clip, clap. Clip, clap, clip, clap. Clip, clap, clip, clap. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, let's take it down. Nice and slow. Be easy. Gently now with Kahime Kari. For those who didn't know or do not know, that is uh, the wonderful Kahime Kari with the song Clip. Clap from her album K K K K K. I'm serious. 
That was the title of the album. K, 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 K. I was trying to get it to play today on, uh, on my phone. I'll show you how that went down. Watch this. <clears throat> Let's see if I can do it right now. Watch this. This is fun. Hey, Siri. Play the album K, 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 K by Kahimi Curry. I couldn't find KK by Kahimi Curry in your Apple Music library. Oh, whatever. You know what You know what she'd do before when I was trying to do this? She'd play like Big and Rich. It's like, where did you get Big and Rich out of KKK? Oh, I see why. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible joke. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, man. How you doing out there? I'm a little punchy. Can you tell? It's late here. I've been, uh, I had a nice long weekend. I had a three-day weekend. I had Friday off. That was great. My wife and I celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary this weekend. And yeah, it's been a long, busy weekend, but a good one. I've gotten a lot of stuff done. I got a haircut. I got them all cut. My uh, daughter did it. Yeah, it looks very good. I'm very happy with it. She takes her time. She does a wonderful job. I'm very fortunate to have a daughter who will give me a haircut. Very nice. You know, I ripped two pairs of jeans this weekend. That's right, I ripped them. Uh, one pair was starting to rip. They had a couple holes in them, and I, I wasn't wearing them, you know, out <laughs> because of that. And uh, and I just said, heck with this, and I just tore them apart while they were on my body. Don't worry, I wasn't out <laughs> when I did this. I was at home, but I was just like, this is... I walked the dog in them. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to tear these things, shredded them right off my body. And then, uh, and then I, I, you know, this other pair of jeans, this nicer pair that I, I don't know how long I've had them. Maybe like not even a year, maybe about a year, right? I noticed that they were getting a little hole in them. And by the end of the day today, that hole had expanded. Fortunately, I've got, uh, I've got one more pair of jeans, one more pair of brand new jeans that my wife got me. For my birthday. Thank you, wife. And she said, do you, do you want these jeans now? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to need them now. Because <laughs> I've shredded the other two pairs. This, this was a theme that happened a few years ago. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you may recall my stories about getting like a pair of jeans every month and then them just kind of ripping. <laughs> just for one reason or another, either they were cheap or they'd get like a little a little hole in like a knee and then I put my foot in it and then my foot would, my toes would get stuck in the, I don't know why, you know, I know, understand it's fashionable. I was at a mall today and I saw a lot of young people with ripped jeans. I understand that's still a look, but I don't know how they get them on and off their bodies without, you know, snagging their toes in those rips and, and mistakenly shredding them, you know, especially if they're getting ready in a hurry. Maybe they're just very, very careful. I don't know. This mall I was at, this is a real nice mall. You know you're at a real nice mall when you can't find like a when you can't find like a bottle of shampoo in it. <laughs> That's what I was dealing with. I was like, all right, I need a shampoo and I need a toothbrush. <laughs> and for some reason I uh I went to this mistakenly went to this really upscale mall. Where you know if like I imagine I I thought to myself, like, there's gotta be like a CVS. No, there was no CVS in this mall. And I thought to myself, if I want shampoo in this mall, I think I'm going to have to go to, like, one of these, like, high-end, 
like exclusive salons within the mall and then have like buy some crazy shampoo and I'm I'm just like a per plus guy, you know what I mean? I'm very simple. I don't have much hair to begin with. But what I do have, I clean with Pert Plus. Is this an ad? <laughs> you know, I used to make my own shampoo for a while. I did that with, like, Castile soap and distilled water. Yeah. It, you know, I, I it worked all right. It was okay. It smelled okay. You know what I mean? I'd use some oil. I, I found, like, a recipe online, and I said, why can't I just make my own shampoo? And I did. I put it in, like, a bottle. The thing with making your own shampoo, though, you have to pour it directly on your head. Because it's basically, it's very, basically, it's very watery. It's not like that, you know, kind of like, it's not like that viscous shampoo that you can, you know, pull out into your hand and then uh, massage into your scalp. It's, uh, you, you, you have to take the bottle and pour it directly on your head. But it does the job. And uh, like I said, it smelled all right. And like for a person who doesn't have a lot of hair, it wasn't a big deal, you know. I did that for a couple of years, actually. And then I said, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm making shampoo. Who am I? Vidal Sassoon? <laughs> Who am I? Yves Saint Laurent? Does he make shampoo? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, oh my gosh, guys. And girls. And others. I have been, uh, I have been writing. It is going well. It's a lot of work. But it's a labor of love, as I'd mentioned. But one thing I've done is I've promised myself no Amazon and no news websites until this manuscript is completed. And the reason why I put those restrictions on myself is because they are huge time sucks. Meaning, like, I will, you know, if I'm, and I write on the laptop, if I'm on the laptop and, and say I go to Google to look something up, whatever it may be, uh, just for something to reference in the story. Uh, and I think to myself, or like a lot of times I'll go look up a product. That was a huge thing I, I do. I say, oh, I wonder, I wonder, uh, I wonder if they sell this product. And I'll go, I'd go to Amazon and look it up. But what would happen is I'd go to Amazon and then I'd end up filling a cart and emptying it and then filling it and emptying it. And it was, it was like, oh my God. And before I knew it, there was like, you know, 45 minutes had gone and I forgot what I was looking up the first, in the first place. And news websites, I hate to admit this, you know, it's a, you know, but, uh, I don't lie to you. I'm a, I'm a news junkie. I really am. And, uh, I have a hard time, I have a hard time restraining myself from like looking at polls or seeing what's going on in the world or in my own country. And, uh, again, much like Amazon, I will go on to a news website and um, I will lose track of time. I'll just like, I'll start reading articles and I will be, I will be uh, lost in the uh, mire of, of the uh, horribleness of the world, uh, whatever it may be. So I, for this month, I have, uh, I've been good so far. I've been very good in terms of not going on Amazon and not going on any news sites uh, this entire month. That's not to say that I don't get the news. I still, I still, uh, it, it gets me. It's the way, you know, remember Sharpling said that one time, he's like, the reason why I don't talk about politics, meaning himself on his show, is because, you know, politics finds you, or essentially what he said was like, you don't have to go looking far for, from it for it. And he's right. It's everywhere. You know, that's not to say I won't listen to, like, news in the car or something like that, which I do. 
But it's just to say that when I'm writing, I don't do it. I don't mean to get off on this tangent. Sorry. Again, I'm a little punchy. It's late. I've had a very long weekend. It's been a very uh, productive weekend. But, uh, but I'm a little punchy. Was there anything else I wanted to talk about? I got some clips. You guys want to hear some clips? Okay. All right. Play the music. Whenever there's trouble, whenever the double, we're not the hunger. If you've got the crime, we've got the time. We're the Bloodhound Gang. Thank you, Bloodhound Gang. Okay, this was a fun one. This is a clip of Dolly Parton being the country music singer and a uh, and movie star and television star who doesn't know Dolly Parton, right? Uh, being interviewed by Barbara Walters in 1977. And um, Barbara is asking her about her fashion and uh, her fashion choices. And uh, I love Dolly, and I thought her answer was great. This is... Uh, this is very, very cool. Again, Dolly Parton, 1977, being interviewed by Barbara Walters. Go ahead. You don't have to look like this. You're very beautiful. You don't have to wear the blonde wigs. You don't have to wear the extreme clothes, right? No, it's, a, it's certainly a choice. I don't like to be like everybody else. I've often made this statement that I would never stoop so low as to be fashionable. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. So I just decided that I would do something that would at least get the attention. Once they got past the shock of the ridiculous way I looked and all that, then they would see there was parts of me to be appreciated. I'm very real where it counts, and that's inside, and as far as the, my outlook on life and the way I care about people and the way I care about myself and the things that I care about. But I just chose to do this, and it's a show business is a money-making joke, and I've just always liked telling jokes. You know? But do you ever feel that you're a joke, that people make fun of you? Oh, I know you make fun of me. But actually, all these years, the people, you know, have has thought the joke was on me, but it's actually been on the public. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I can change it at any time. Or I make more jokes about myself than, than anybody. Because I enjoy I know, like I say, I am sure of myself as a person. I'm sure of my talent. And to me, and I'm sure of, of my love and for life and that sort of thing, I'm very content. I like the kind of person that I am. So I can afford to piddle around and do diddle around with makeups and clothes and stuff because I am secure with uh, myself. Wasn't that great? Really love her. I got to hear that new album. I know she does a bunch of rock covers and I think there's some uh, duets on there. Uh, I got to check that out. You want to hear another clip? We got a little bit of time. This was a this was a good one. This is Pat Morita. Uh, for those who may not be sure who Pat Morita is, he played Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid, and Pat Morita was on Happy Days. I couldn't tell you his character's name. I forget, <laughs> but uh, he came up as a stand-up comedian. And uh, he does an uncanny impression of Red Fox, who is a friend and a mentor of Pat Morita. Again, uh, I, should, I say again, for those who don't know, Red Fox was on Sanford and Son. And um, you'll recognize immediately when, Pat, when you hear Pat do his impression, which person on Sanford and Son 
Red Fox was. <laughs> For those who've seen the show. So this is this is Pat Morita talking about his experience with Red Fox. And it's kind of a sweet story. Check this out. Hey, sit over there. I'll deal with this. I explained to Red chance to buy a house, etc., etc. And uh, uh, our escrow is going to close uh, in four days. I'm $3,500 short and uh, I'll work it off. I'll pay you back any way I can. It's a, so he said, $3,500. Ain't got no small change on me right now, but uh, calls his secretary over with a thumb snap. He says, bring me my checkbook. So he's writing a check. It's Pat Morita, $3,500. And as he's writing, before he signs his name, he says, now look here. I don't want to hear about no papers, no payback, no interest, no IOU, no nothing. So you want to pay me back? I know you're going to make it one day, son. You do this for somebody. Never forgot it. I've done it. Fortunately, I got to that place he predicted I was going to get to. And uh, have helped a few people. They're the same conditions. Isn't that sweet? Sorry about that. Uh, I love that story. Is it true that, or am I remembering this correctly? Did Red Fox play chess? Used to play chess with Ed Wood. I think. I think that's. I think that's true. I love that. Um, sorry again. I'm a little punchy. Uh, it's late, and I've been quite busy. But I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you sticking with me. Sticking with us. Because right now I'm going to hand things off to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the charge chat. So, without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. The final thing I will say on Freedom Rock that I forgot to last week is that I'm curious what people felt was left off of the compilation, especially if rights were no object. Send me a DM or an email, rhadaway at gmail. So far, people have suggested anything from the doors if you're going to San Francisco or listen to the flower people. When I started doing the chart chat, I had big ideas of introducing people to new-to-them songs from the 1970s and 80s. But based on the feedback I've gotten, people vastly prefer songs they already know. Some listeners even act like this segment is a quiz or a test where they're supposed to know all the songs already. This could not be further from the truth. While I appreciate the listeners and their comments, it was eye-opening and a little tough to learn. With all of that in mind, this week we are going to pick up where we left off on the charting TV themes and head into the 1980s. First up is a song that did not make the pop chart, but made it onto the adult contemporary, and it's pretty iconic, so I figured I wanted to mention it. Uh, this is the Love Boat theme, performed by Jack Jones. It debuted on January 26th of 80 and hit a peak of number 37 on the AC, and February 23rd of 80 it was on the chart for five weeks. Jack Jones is a prolific artist on the adult contemporary and pop charts. His version was used from season one through eight of the Love Boat and Dionne Warwick's for season nine. There's tons of covers mentioned on Wikipedia, including one by Charo, who was a guest on the show. The Love Boat aired from September 17th of 76 through May 24th of 86. 
Up next from the TV show The Dukes of Hazard, which aired from January 26th of 79 through February 8th of 85, is Good Old Boys, credited to Waylon Jennings. That debuted on the pop chart on September 13th of 80 and hit a peak of number 21 on December 13th of 80. It was also a number one country hit and it was Waylon Jennings' 12th time topping the country chart. It was also his biggest pop hit and his son Shooter Jennings still plays it live. Up next uh, from the miniseries Shogun is a song called Love Theme from Shogun and in parentheses Mariko's theme and that was performed by Miko. Uh, this is one of the, as you know, Miko did, this is a music inspired by, not an official theme. It's one of seven Hot 100 appearances for Miko. Maurice Jar did the score for the actual Shogun miniseries. Uh, but that aired from September, the week of September 15th of 1980, I guess. And the song was on the charts for four weeks in October of 80, hitting a peak of number 70. Um, up next from the show Greatest American Hero. Uh, is the theme from The Greatest American Hero in parentheses, believe it or not, that was performed by Joey Scarberry. The show aired from March 18th of 81 through February 3rd of 83, and the song was on the charts starting from May 9th of 81, hitting a peak on August 15th of 81, staying on the charts for a total of 26 weeks and hitting a peak of number two. Joey Scarberry had two other Hot 100 appearances, but this was at only top 40, and he has started working with Mike Post in the 70s, and Mike Post co-wrote the Greatest American Hero theme, and Larry Carlson did the guitar solo. And I learned that Joey Scarberry also sang on the Peanuts special Flash Beagle, which is exciting for me. And of course, uh, this song, at least for me, I could say I was introduced to it from George Costanza's Answering Machine. Up next, uh, we have the song WKRP in Cincinnati from the show of the same name. This was credited to Steve Carlisle. The song appeared on the charts uh, starting from November 21st of 81, and it hit a peak of number 65 on December 26th of 81, staying on the charts for 10 weeks in total. This was Steve Carlyle's only Hot 100 appearance, and I learned on the Wikipedia page that the, there was a the, the new WKRP, and VH1 had a promo for that show in airing in syndication with Richard Sanders as Les Nessman singing the original lyrics, but to the tune of U2's Numb and spoofing the video of the same. Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati aired from September 18th of 78 through April 21st of 82. Up next from the show Hill Street Blues was the theme from Hill Street Blues, and that was uh, credited to Mike Post featuring Larry Carlton. That song debuted on August 22nd of 81, hit a peak of number 10 on November 14th of 81, and it was on the charts for 22 weeks. Hill Street Blues aired from January 15th of 81 through May 12th of 87. This was Mike Post's second top 40 hit. Reaching a peak of number 10, it tied the performance of the Rockford Files. And listening to this song, especially right after Greatest American Hero, you can tell that Mike Post wrote Greatest American Hero. Up next is a big one, the theme from Magnum P.I., also by Mike Post. Uh, that song entered the charts on February 6th of 82 hitting a peak of number 25 on May 8th of 82, and the show itself aired from December 11th of 80 through May 8th of 88. This was Mike Post's third Top 40 hit. I learned that an instrumental theme had been used from the pilot through episode 11. Uh, his theme was used starting from episode 12. And the guitar solo was also by Larry Carlton, but the single was credited to Mike Post only. Up next, uh, we have the theme from Dynasty, done by Bill Conti. That was, of course, from Dynasty, which aired from uh, January 1st of 81 through May 11th of 89. 
and the theme entered the charts on November 6th at 82, hitting a peak of number 52 on December 11th, staying on the charts for nine weeks in total. This is one of two Hot 100 appearances for Bill Conti, the other, of course, being his number one hit, Gonna Fly Now, from Rocky. Uh, the single had Dynasty on side A and Falcon Crest on side B. I read that Dynasty was considered ABC's answer to CBS's Dallas, which also had a great theme. I don't know why that didn't chart, uh, but that was theme was done by Gerald Immel, who also did the theme from the Dallas spinoff Knott's Landing. Up next is a theme from Cheers, Where Everybody Knows Your Name by Gary Portnoy. Cheers ran from September 30th of 82 through May 20th of 93, and the song entered the charts on April 30th of 83, hitting a peak of number 83 on May 21st. It was only on the charts for four weeks. So it's a bit of an inverse of Making It, which is a, such a big hit song, but the show did not fare so well. This was Gary Portnoy's only Hot 100 appearance. He co-wrote the song with Judy Hart Angelo, and they had also co-written a musical called Preppies in 1981. I learned that the chorus is Gary Portnoy himself, just multi-tracked. Um, the verses on this one, if you've never heard them, they're a little rough. They're just weirdly specific. I think they picked the exact right part of the song to be the theme. And I learned that Gary Portnoy also did the themes for Punky Brewster and Mr. Belvedere, as far as he wrote them. Um, we have another one that was only on the adult contemporary charts, and that's the theme from St. Elsewhere. This was done by Dave Grusin. Uh, it hit a peak of number 15 on the adult contemporary charts in 1984. And St. Elsewhere ran from October 26th of 82 through May 25th of 88. Dave Grusin had several charting albums and many film scores. He composed the theme from the TV show Beretta and Maud and many others. Up next, uh, we have the number one hit by Jan Hammer from Miami Vice, the Miami Vice theme. This entered the charts on September 7th of 85, hitting a peak of number one on November 9th of 85, and all it had 22 weeks on the chart. Uh, Miami Vice ran from September 16th of 84 through January 25th of 1990. The pilot, which is a two-hour movie, had no theme, but elements of Hammer's theme were present in the score. He wrote the theme when the series got picked up. This hit the U.S. R&B and dance charts, as well as pop charts around the world. Uh, Jan Hammer won two Grammys for the Miami Vice theme. This was the third TV theme song to hit number one after SWAT and Welcome Back, Cotter. And it was the final instrumental song that became a number one hit until Harlem Shake in 2013. Uh, this was the only Hot 100 appearance for Jan Hammer because Crockett's theme was released as a single but did not chart. Up next, uh, we have the theme from Moonlighting by Al Jarreau that entered the charts on May 30th of 87. And it hit a peak of number 23 on July 18th of 87, 13 weeks on the chart in all. Moonlighting aired from March 3rd of 85 through May 14th of 89. This was the eighth and final Hot 100 appearance for Al Jarreau. He co-wrote the song with Lee Holdridge, and he did two different versions that were used in the Moonlighting run. The second one was produced by Nile Rodgers and released as a single. Uh, it hit number one on the Adult Contemporary, and it received two Grammy nominations. And the last two here only made it on the adult contemporary charts. Um, from L.A. Law, the theme from L.A. Law by Mike Post hit number 13 on the AC in 1988. The show itself ran from September 15th of 86 through May 19th of 94. And it said that there are two different versions of the theme, one with a sax riff for lighter episodes and one that had ominous synths for more serious storylines. There's no sight on that, but I'd be open to hearing from any L.A. Law fans on if they remember that to be true. Finally, we had the theme from Growing Pains, As Long As We Got Each Other, 
credited to Steve Dorf and Friends, and that is the father of actor Stephen Dorf. The radio single featured B.J. Thomas and Dusty Springfield, but the multiple seasons of the show had different singers over the years. Jennifer Warrens was Thomas's duet partner for some seasons, and the show ran from September 24th of 85 through March 25th of 92. Uh, that one hit a peak of number seven on the AC in 1989. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Amazing job. What a trip down memory lane that was. As a guy who grew up in the 80s, oh my gosh, that brought back so many memories. Very, very cool. That uh, Greatest American Hero theme, though, it did make me, <laughs> it did make me recall that Seinfeld episode where George reinterpreted the greatest American hero theme song for his answering machine message. Do you remember that? Oh my god. So funny. Um, this has been episode 306 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.